0: Numbers this evening. Numbers chapter thirty-two. Numbers chapter thirty-two. Once again, my wife and I are just so grateful that we got to uh, spend so much time with your church. Such a such a wonderful, wonderful people and congregation. We felt so welcome here. And uh, what was neat was because we got to spend some enjoy some time of fellowship yesterday. We really did not feel like strangers at all when we came in this morning. Uh, it's it's always nice to get to come in when you already know somebody. And of course, I've already met your pastor. And, uh, and your church has been so kind and generous and so uh, welcoming to us. And we thank you so very much for that. Want to expound a little bit about what you saw in the video just now. Brother Don Sisk, many of you know his name. He was a missionary that, uh, that has made a gospel impact in many parts of the world. But his first 10 years of his ministry was in Japan. And, uh, and, Brother, uh, and Brother Sisk, on, on one of his very first revival meetings there in Japan... Uh, well, that was where Brother uh, Sogoro Ogawa, the pastor of that church, he was there on that day. And uh, Sogoro Ogawa was an atheist at that time. He literally came up to Brother Sisk and told him, uh, I'm an atheist and I have no interest in your religion. I have, I have no interest in your God. I don't care what the Bible says. I'm only here for the English. That is what Sogoro Ogawa told Don Sisk on that revival meeting. And now when that meeting was over at the very end of that revival meeting, so go To Ogawa got saved. Praise the Lord. The gospel made an impact in his life. He heard the plan of salvation for the first time, and he ended up trusting Christ as its Savior that very night. And, uh, and Sogoto Ogawa ended up growing in grace. Of course, like many other Japanese people, that's the first time he's ever been truly forgiven by anybody. Uh, Japan is not a forgiving culture. It's a place where there's a lot of guilt and pressure. That's how the society thrives. And so to somebody like him, he was so excited about our salvation. He was excited about being forgiven. He was excited about not having that guilt uh, on his shoulders anymore because he trusted Jesus uh, as his Savior, and he lifted those burdens for him, and he was excited about being a born-again a child of God. And, uh, and so he started growing in Christ to the point where Don Sisk ended up handing over that church over to Sogoto Ogawa, and now, just in the recent months, Sogoto Ogawa just recently celebrated his 54-year anniversary as the pastor of the Sunday Newtown Baptist Church there in Osaka. Now, so in the video you saw 54 years of faithfully reaching God's people, faithfully ministering, uh, faithfully bringing people in and constantly uh, bringing people, discipling converts and bringing people out and planting other churches in Japan. And right here you're looking at 24 years of life. It doesn't even compare. My wife and I, we have no clue what we're doing when we are going to Japan. Of course, I have no past, zero pastoral experience. It's one thing to preach, but it's another thing to pastor, and to love on people, and to be patient with people, and to just lovingly grow people. I have no experience with any of that. And so we believe that it would be wise for my wife and I to place ourselves under the man of God that's already been faithfully serving there in Japan, at least for a year or two, until, uh, until uh, we're just ready to go into a completely unevangelized prefecture or state in Japan that just have zero true gospel witness. Now, uh, now the sad reality about Japan is that many of its prefectures, many of their states, have zero gospel witness. Not a single church actively trying to reach their community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In some cases, not a single church that somebody can walk into and hear a clear gospel presentation preached within their city, within their state that's the kind of place that my wife and I endeavor to go into, a place where Christ has not been named. I almost knocked off my sermon there, and some of you were starting to smile and grin. Just kidding. But, uh, uh, but a place like that, and to, uh, and to preach the gospel, and to propagate the gospel where he has never been named, and, and a place where there is just no gospel witness. Now, please understand, even during our time under Pastor Ogawa there in Osaka, my wife and I will be very busy. Osaka is the third largest city in all of Japan. 2.7 million people live in just that one city. And, uh, and as we know of today, the Sydney Newtown Baptist Church, of course, they've done a great job uh, reaching other people for Christ and planting churches in other prefectures and other cities. But as we know of today, in the, even within the, just the city of Osaka, for the 2.7 million people, the Sunday Newtown Baptist Church is the only active gospel witness for that entire city. Can you imagine one soul-winning church for a community of 2.7 million people. Now God has blessed that church and has been blessing that church. They have a, a congregation of about 350 and growing. But, uh, but can you imagine just one place for 2.7 million people where somebody just can stumble into and hear the gospel preached? Just one place propagating the truth for a city of 2.7 million people. My wife and I, we will be very busy even during our ministry under Pastor Ogawa. We endeavor to reach the many other people that are there in Osaka as we learn ministry under Pastor Ogawa. And we're very excited about that time with that church. And, uh, and, and just kind of to piggyback on that thought, may I say thank you so very much for many of your testimonies. I know that many of you have remained faithful and have been faithfully following Christ and reading your Bibles and praying for, for many more years than my wife and I have even been alive. And, uh, and my wife and I, we want to thank you for that. That show of faithfulness, by the way, is probably the greatest encouragement that you can give to my generation. Uh, because, uh, because many of you who have faced many trials of life, who have faced many heartaches that my wife and I have, can't even imagine yet just because of our youth, uh, not only have you overcome that, but you've remained faithful to God through that. And you are a living testimony of God's goodness. You, uh, the, the fact that uh, just watching your life and seeing that God has carried you through many of those heartaches and many of those trials, that encourages us because that, that means that the same God that kept you smiling, that kept you singing, that kept you faithful, that kept you on fire for God, even through the various trials of life, uh, the fact that, that God has allowed you to stay faithful and stay joyful through all those things uh, means that that same God is the one that's going to carry my wife and I through there in Japan and through our trials of life. And, uh, and, and I may I encourage you, please stay faithful. Uh, that's, the, that's, that's the greatest thing that you can do for, for my generation. And to, and to the young people here, may I encourage you, uh, you st- stay close to, those, uh, to the ones that have been faithful. Learn from them. Learn from their walk with God. Uh, it's, it's one thing for a young person like me to come into a church like this and yell and shout about how much he's excited about God. It's another thing for somebody to have been walking with God faithfully, unchanging for decades. Reading their Bibles and not changing in their doctrine, not changing in their walk for, for years upon years upon years upon years. And uh, please pray that God will allow my wife and I to be faithful as well. But uh, we're so excited about the ministry that God has us there, and we're so thankful that God has given us the opportunity to give you a chance to invest in in Japanese souls that are just so hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ and so needing that forgiveness, that restoration, so needing that true God, uh, the knowledge of the true Savior that can save them and protect them and to secure their salvation and their souls in heaven. We're going to be in Numbers chapter 32 this evening, and uh, starting in verse 1. Let's go ahead and pray before we read God's Word this time, and then after we pray, we'll go ahead and jump right into a message. I won't be long tonight. Heavenly Father, what an amazing God you are. Lord, uh, thank you so very much for what a God you are. Lord, uh, thank you so much for the fact that while the world around us is constantly changing, you never change. Thank you so very much for the fact that while every news article and everything we see on television seems to be lying to us, your word never lies. God, thank you for the fact that while the world around us is crumbling, and while we cannot find the answers and the doctors and the politicians of this world, you hold the answers. And you hold the promises that you never go back on. And while everybody just seems to be changing, Lord, you never change. Thank you for the fact that we can anchor ourselves in you. And God, I pray that, Lord, you'll help us to, to, to give you the undivided attention that you deserve. Lord, uh, forgive us for, for not giving you that time and that attention on our day-to-day. But Lord, I pray that you'll sanctify this time. For yourself, you'll set it apart so that we can give you the undivided attention that you deserve, O oh Lord. And God, I pray with all my heart that if there's anybody in here who's never trusted you as their personal Savior, tonight will be the night that they'll place their faith and their trust in you as you are the only one who is trustworthy. You're the only way to heaven. You are the only one that can provide salvation. You proved that on the cross for us. You're the only one that rose from the grave. And God, I pray that if there's anybody who's not saved in this auditorium tonight, tonight They will make that active decision to place their full faith in you, deliberately believe on you and you alone uh, for the salvation and for the forgiveness of their sins. And Lord, I pray that if there's any Christian in here discouraged and weary with with the world around us, I pray that you'll uh, spark a revival inside their hearts that just allows them to keep on going for many years to come. Lord, I pray that you'll do that which we cannot do on our own this evening. I pray that you'll spark a revival in our hearts to turn back to you, and to draw encouragement from your word. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Numbers chapter 32 and verse 1, the Bible says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that, behold, that place was a place for cattle. And the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and to Eleazar the priest, Unto the princes of the congregation, saying, Adaroth and Daibon and Jazer and Nimron and Heshbon and Eleala and Shabam and Nebo and Beon, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel, is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for our possession, and bring us not over Jordan. Just to give you a little context of what's going on here in the Bible. Uh, the the children of Israel are conquering the land of Canaan. They are they have just begun the process of uh, of their of, of conquering the promised land, and uh, and they just got started. They haven't even crossed the Jordan River yet. And if you understand Bible geography just a little bit, Canaan land, the promised land, the the land that God has given them, uh, some of it extended on the uh, on the uh, on the other side of Jordan. Uh, of course, the majority of it was uh, past the Jordan River, and they had much land to conquer. But, uh, but there was land that was already conquered that was a part of the promised land. And, uh, and right now what we're reading is they have conquered and they have won some battles already. They have already uh, won some uh, land uh, from the Canaanites that were already there. And they're right there on the brink of Jordan. on the other side, they see more fierce wars and, and more fierce trials than they've ever seen uh, from before. And, uh, and two of the tribes, two of the tri- uh, tribes of the children of Israel, Reuben and Gad specifically, as far as they were concerned, they have already won their inheritance. Uh, for, for Reuben and Gad, uh, the part of the promised land that belonged to them had already been conquered. The wars that they needed to war were already done. Uh, they were already fought. The victories that they needed to see, as far as they were concerned, they were already conquered. And what their portion was uh, for, the, for the promised land, it, was already, it already belonged to them. And so right here at the brink of the Jordan River, before they're about to cross and to fight many wars and fight many more battles to conquer the rest of Canaan land, um, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad are basically begging Moses and, and, and Eliezer. Basically they're telling him, please don't, don't let us cross the Jordan River. We don't want to lose more men. We don't want to fight more wars. As far as we're concerned, our land is already conquered. As far as we're concerned, we already have what we deserve. We already have what, we, what belongs to us. There's no reason for us to keep on going and keep on warring for God. That is where we uh, left off in our reading. Let's keep on reading and look at what Moses' response was uh, to, the, to the request of Reuben and Gad. Verse 6, Bible says, And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, shall your brethren go to war, and shall he sit here? That's the title of the message this evening. Shall your brethren go to war, and shall ye he sit here? And here in this sentence, I don't believe that Moses was trying to guilt trip the children of Gad and the children of Reuben, but rather I believe that he was trying to, uh, trying to remind them that, uh, that there are many more victories to be won and many more great things that God wanted to show them, sure they have already conquered their land, and sure they already had what they wanted to possess. But I believe that Moses right here is telling them, "You're going to let your brothers see more miracles of God. You're going to let your brothers and your family members uh, see many more miracles of God, and you are willing to miss out on that." God wants to show you more victory and more more miracles, and God wants to show Himself even greater and increase the faith of your people, and you're just willing to miss out on all that greatness. You're willing to miss out on all that fun. You're, you're willing to miss out on all that, those great miracles that God has for your life. You're going to let your brothers go on and conquer and see victories of God. And you just want to sit here? You really want to miss out on all that? And he expounds on that and says in verse 7, And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them? Not only is Moses uh, telling them and and begging them, you're willing to sit here while your brethren see miracles, but not only that, but you're willing to sit here and discourage the rest of your tribe, discourage the rest of your people, discourage the next generation. You're willing to sit here and make a statement that God is not big enough to to give you more victories on the other side of Jordan. You're willing to let your children see you cower in fear and just lay back and relax while there is wars to battle and there's battles to fight. You're willing to discourage the children of Israel? You're willing to discourage the rest of your family from conquering Canaan land by just sitting here? You're willing to make a statement that God is not worth fighting for? Moses is begging and pleading with the children of Gad and the children of Reuben. You are willing to just sit here and actively make a statement that our faith is not fighting for? You're willing to sit here and make a statement that this land that you have conquered is more important and more palatable than the victories and the miracles that God has you to fight? You're willing to show in front of your own children that God's word and God's command and God's direction is not worth following? And then he expounds even further in verse 8. Thus did your fathers when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. This happened before uh, Gad and Reuben. Uh, Verse 9, For when they uh, went up into the valley of Eskel and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel, that they should not go into the land which the Lord hath given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled at that same time, and he swears, saying, Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from twenty years old and upward shall see the land which I swore unto Abraham, unto Isaac, unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. Moses is saying, this has happened before. People have quit in the, in the battle for righteousness. People have quit in their battle for God. And because of their lack of faith, because they didn't see that God was big enough to keep on fighting for, and God was worthy of their trust, they were not able to see the victories, and they perished because of that unbelief. Moses is warning, warning children of Gad and Reuben, not only that, they're going to miss out on all these miracles and victories. But you are about to curse your entire generation and the generation to follow by your lack of faith in God who already promised you this victory. Moses is pleading with a people that was complacent. We learned about complacent people this this morning and how we better not be that people. We better not have that testimony if we want to see our land healed. And Moses is begging a complacent people, saying that there is more victories to be won, that our faith is worth fighting for. By the way, the fact that we're able to freely do what we're doing right here is a direct result of people that was willing to sacrifice for the sake of freedom. The pioneers, the people that came here, the settlers that escaped uh, Europe, those were people that literally risked everything. And what convicts me is, obviously we love freedom, and we love the freedom to read our Bibles. We love the freedom to be able to raise our children uh, the, 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 way, the way that the, the, the Bible tells us to and not what the government tells us to. And we love the fact that we're able to worship God freely and we're able to, to make our own decisions of faith. We love those things. But what is convicting to me is that those settlers, the main difference between my generation and the generation of those settlers is the fact that they were literally willing to give up everything For that freedom. What are we willing to give up for our freedom? Uh, How do we fight for our faith? What are we willing... I mean, how important is this Bible to us? How important is our faith to us? And what sacrifice have we made in our lives that actually proves that statement? And proves our importance? And proves our, uh, our love for Scripture? And proves our love for freedom? Those settlers, literally, they risked every single thing. They risked their health. They risked their lives. Many of them sold all their possessions, left all their assets behind carrying only what they could carry in their own two hands onto that boat, not even knowing if that boat will actually make it to America or not. Our nation was founded upon people that truly loved freedom more than life, that loved liberty, that saw that Uh, their future generation, their children and their grandchildren, their great-great-grandchildren, being able to live in a land where the gospel can be freely preached, where they can hear salvation taught in the local churches here in America, they believed that that cause was uh, was more important than whatever sacrifice could be made, than whatever they could leave behind. They left behind every single thing in order to press onward. And surely there were Rubens and Gads during those times. People that were okay with the situation in England. Okay, so as long as I don't baptize my, uh, as long as I baptize my baby, uh, that should be. Uh, we we get to live a peaceful life. I'm okay with that. Oh, as long as I attend the Anglican church and follow what they're supposed to tell me, uh, my family gets to live and not risk anything. I'm okay with that. By the way, we have seen those two groups of people in every stage in our history. And the group of people that were willing to risk everything, the next generation, whatever benefits of liberty that the next generation enjoyed, is always a direct result of ones that were actually willing to sacrifice. Ones that saw that our liberty, our freedom, the next generation's Christianity was at stake. And they were willing to sacrifice their lives, sacrifice their comforts, sacrifice every single aspect of life as they knew it in order to have liberty, in order to have freedom, in order so that there can be a land founded where people can carry God's Word around and read God's Word freely. Now, Moses, he's, he's begging the children of Reuben and the children of Gad that there is a cause to keep on pressing forward. They might have, the, they might have what, they, what they wanted, they might have all the comforts that they wanted, but there is a reason why they, sh- they ought to keep pressing onward and keep pressing forward for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and by the way, those are usually the people, the people that are willing to sacrifice, the people that are willing to leave everything behind for a sake like that, often are the ones that get ridiculed the most. Um, obviously, right now, it is a very unusual time for any missionary to try to penetrate and land with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It, it almost seems ridiculous to a lot of people, that, uh, that and especially Japan. Japan is a difficult country, we all know that. Their, their hearts are very materialistic, and faith and religion and God, that has not been a part of Japan for many, many, many decades. And so why would anybody want to go into that? Why would any church want to invest in the cause of, uh, of getting the gospel over there? The Bible, I believe that the Moses, the question that he asked resonates inside my heart. Shall your brethren go to war? And shall we sit here? God reminds us, he is at work. And he is working through people that has enough faith to believe in him for who he is. By the way, uh, in my short years, of course, many of you have been walking with God longer than I have. And I think you'll agree with me on this one, that the longer I walk with God, the longer I see God work, the more I am starting to realize that God makes himself real to those that make him real. God shows miracles to the ones that are willing to step out by faith. When we are willing to step out and make a decision where God is the only one that we can rely on, that's when God shows us the miracles and shows us greatness. By the way, salvation is the same way, is it not? We, play, we first place our faith on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ and then He gives us salvation. And then we see the change and then we see the miraculous difference in our lives after we're willing to place our faith in Jesus Christ as the only one that can forgive us. That deliberate belief, that be- the deliberate faith uh, to god to jesus christ is what gives us salvation it always begins with faith and moses is is pleading with gad and reuben trying to increase their faith and we believe that we see four lessons here that and four reminders that moses is trying to trying to speak and implement into the children of reuben and the children of gad uh, first of all he is reminding them First of all, there's a reason to press on. There's a reason to keep on conquering. There's a reason to keep fighting wars. There's a reason to keep risking your lives to conquer Canaan land. First of all, because there's still land to conquer. There is land to conquer. Obviously, everything that's going around in the United States today is very discouraging and very disheartening. But the truth is, there are still lost souls that need active soul winners to come knocking on their door and share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, it seems that our generation is falling apart and, and, uh, and America is just lo- starting to lose its identity, but there is still people, there is still a community that needs a local church that is willing to stay true to their doctrine, that is willing to stay true to the gospel. And Moses is, is, is encouraging the children of Israel and the children of God. Yes, your land has been conquered. And sure, you've seen the victories, but there are still victories to be won. God is not done with you. God has not shown you all the victories and all the great miracles that he's wanted to show you. No, he wants you to press onward, and there's still land to conquer. There's still victories to be won. There's still miracles to be seen. And there's still great things that God wants to use you for, by the way. Have you ever wondered why... God allows us to stay on this side of eternity once we get saved? It's because God has a purpose for us. It's because we have land to conquer. We have souls to win. We have more people to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have you wondered why, even in the midst of all the turmoils that America is going through, that the Lord has not come back yet? Because there's still land to conquer. It's because God is not done with us. That victory trumpet sound has not been sounded yet. That trumpet sound that, that, that starts the end of all things have not, have not been sounded yet. You know what that means? That means that we ought to get to work. We ought to keep, we ought to keep knocking on doors. We ought to keep, keep uh, sending out missionaries. We ought to keep propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that's the time that we're in right now. The trumpet will sound when the trumpet sounds. Christ will come back when Christ comes back. But now is the time that God wants to conquer more land through us. That God still has a reason for us to be on this side of eternity. God wants to use us to do amazing things still. And God has a plan for us yet. And even in the midst of the coronavirus, even in the midst of all the turmoils that America is going through, we Christians ought to press on. Because there's land to conquer. Second of all, he reminds them that there are laborers in the conquest. Verse seven says, uh, verse 6, shall your brethren go to war? Moses specifically reminds the children of Reuben and the children of Gad about their brothers that are already ready and already on fire to fight, more, uh, to fight more battles and to win more victories. And by the way, of course, if you are actively looking for all the Christians that have gone by the wayside, duh, that's all you'll see if you're looking for only the, only the parts of our nation that is going wayward, if you're only looking and listening to the liberal politicians, of course all you'll see is darkness. But the truth is, there are pastors and evangelists. There are people that are still in the conquest. There are people that have not given up. There are still pastors in communities that are actively knocking on doors. You are not alone. We are not alone. There are laborers still in the conquest, and they need us. There are still people actively reaching souls for Christ. There's still missionaries uh, going on around the world. Nations are still seeing revivals. People are still getting saved. Christian families are still being raised. Young people are still being called to ministry. God is not done with us. There is land to conquer. There are laborers in the conquest. It's not over. We're not alone. And now is the time that every single Christian, every single believer ought to get on fire. For reaching this doubt, lost and dying world for Jesus Christ. America needs us. America needs us. And America needs every single soul winner, every single available Christian to propagate the gospel. Like Pastor said this morning, of course, lost people are going to act like lost people. So, what's the answer to that? Win them. Win them. Of course lost people are not going to know the difference between the right right and wrong. Of course they're not going to know any better than to kill their own babies. They're lost. They don't have a Savior. They've never been forgiven. They've never tasted that amazing grace. They don't have a book that guides them between right and wrong. But every Christian does, and now more than ever before, every soul winner, every Christian, every single available member of every single local church ought to get busy witnessing for Jesus Christ. That verse, if my people, which are called by my name, that was referenced excellently and that was referenced powerfully in this morning's message. Did you notice where that verse starts? My people. How is God supposed to heal a land without Christians? How is God supposed to bless a land without my people? So how do we get more of my people? Soul winning. Winning lost souls for Jesus Christ. There are laborers in the conquest. We're not the only ones trying to raise our family holy. We're not the only ones trying to follow after God. There are many laborers out there. And we, if, you're out, if you're discouraged and have been out of the fight, we ought to get back in because God still has more victories and miracles to show us on the other side of Jordan. There are so many things that God has not shown us yet. And he is not done with us, third of all. There are little ones to convince. There are little ones to convince. Verse uh, verse 7 says, And wherefore discourage ye the hearts of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them. Thus did your fathers. You know where the children of Gad and the children of Reuben learned to have a lack of faith in God and learned to quit right before God was about to show them a great victory? Their fathers did the same exact thing when the spies came back with an evil report, when they saw Canaan and Lamb was moved with fear and did not want to go in. They learned from that. And by the way, the children of this church and the children of our community, and not just children physically, but the young Christians in our community, the, the people that have, barely, that have just gotten saved, those babes in Christ, they are looking at us. And by the way, they are learning from us whether our God is worth following faithfully or not. They are learning from us how important the Word of God is. They are learning from us where to draw truth from, Facebook, the news, or the Word of God. They are learning from us who is worthy of our trust, the medical experts, the politicians, or the Word of God. They are learning from us what ought to move them into action, the newspaper, the gossips, or the Word of God. They are learning from us who we ought to cling to in times like these politics the news our hobbies activities or the word of God and there are little ones to convince by the way God forbid that we let the next generation see a complacent Christianity in our generation and see a group of Christians by the way their faith, a lot of that is going to be drawn from how they saw our faith in our time. And by the way, I believe that there are still little ones to convince that God is still worth fighting for. I believe that there are little ones to convince that, that our Savior is worth worshiping and that the gospel is still worth propagating. I believe that there are little ones that God is curing inside their hearts and God wants to use the next generation for preaching the gospel into America and into the rest of the world. I believe we have little ones to convince with our faith that our God is worth fighting for, that the other side of Jordan, God is bigger than that. And that there are little ones to convince that our God is bigger than COVID-19, that our God is bigger than any of the turmoil going in our nation And that they need to see an unchanging Christianity that is faithful to God, that reflects an all-faithful, all-powerful, almighty God. That's what our children need to see. And Moses is reminding uh, Reuben and Gad, you have little ones to convince, you have children, you have little ones in the war, and you have a little people to convince that our God is mighty. Our God is mighty and faithful to give you what he promised. And and finally, and this trumps everything else, we ought to press on because the Lord has commanded. We ought to press on because the Lord has commanded. Let me ask you a question. When all the COVID-19 happened and when all the politics started swaying the other way in America, did God rewrite the Bible to tell us to slow down or to stop or, to <laughs> or, to, or, to, or, to, or that we don't have to try as hard anymore? Did the Great Commission change? Uh, Does it no longer say going into all the world? Uh, Does it no longer say that we ought to preach the gospel to every creature? Uh, Have all those things, did they disappear from our word of God uh, when all these things happened? According to the last time I checked, they're still there. Last time I checked, when the world have crumbled, and when the world have changed, and the world has stopped, we have never been given the signal to stop. Us Christians have never been given the signal to discontinue in what we're doing. By the way, may I remind you, God has a plan for us yet. And right now, I believe that we are standing on the brink of the Jordan River, looking at all these battles, looking at all all these turmoils, looking at all these valleys. But our word promises us that God is going to give us the victory, that faith is the victory that overcomes, and that God gives us clear instructions to hold the forts to keep on going for God, to stay faithful. While the rest of the world is crumbling in their morality and they're falling into all these different sins, I believe that our word of God clearly tells us to keep on faithfully raising our children and our families holy. When the world around us looks at soul winners as weird and religion as an evil thing, I believe that the Bible continues to use Christians to propagate the gospel into the hearts and the homes of the hopeless. Shall your brethren go to war? And shall he sit here? You're going to let the ones that are actively knocking on doors, you're going to let the ones that God is already using see all the victory, and you're willing to miss out on it? I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on a single victory and a single miracle that God is stirring in our nation, that God is stirring in our world. I don't want to miss out on any of that. And so let us cross over the Jordan River. Let us continue warring because there's land to conquer. There are laborers in the harvest. There are little ones to convince. And finally, because the Lord has commanded. God still has a plan for us yet.